Happy Monday and welcome to The Weekly Noodle, the official podcast of Spaghetti Records. I'm your host today, Ben, and we will be here in the studio with Spaghetti Records recording artist William James, as well as Melissa Bell from Sad Monkey Sound Studios. Uh, Hello, William. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Melissa, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Uh, Of course, thank you for being here. We're going to kick it off starting about this very, very cool, very vibey, interesting track you have here. Uh, William, do you mind if I call you Will? That's fine. Sure. Excellent. You you can call me whatever you'd like. All right, it's going to get weird. But uh, <laughs> speaking of this, uh, this song definitely has a, a very cool mm, feel, ambiance to it. It's very atmospheric. But could you kind of tell me sort of what it where it comes from, what the project is? Uh, absolutely, it's hard actually to remember everything about it because it's kind of an old song. Um, this project is kind of a. Uh, resurrection or a, a, I don't know what you want to call it, a, a rebirth of, uh, of an old project really, um, going way back to an album that I released in 2013. Uh, that was kind of early on in my recording career. And, uh, the drums on the project were, were program drums. They were MIDI. And, uh, I, I, yeah, I was always happy with, um, a lot of the songs on the album, but I always wished I had more organic drum tones. So here we are years later. And as things have progressed, I have better capabilities for recording. And so I, um, undertook kind of a new project of recutting drums or, or rather recording live drums to the existing recordings of the old tracks. And, uh, kind of coinciding with all that, uh, Melissa was, uh, getting her studio up and running, um, down in the San Francisco Bay area, sad monkey sound. And after hearing, um, some of what she was doing, uh, you know, thought it would be great to, to work together in some regard. And we were having a conversation where she mentioned liking those old songs of mine. And I, Mm -hmm. you know, at that point, kind of asked, would you be interested in, in being the mixer, having heard the work she does and, and being impressed with it, would you be interested in doing, uh, being the mixer on a re-release, um, with, with re-recorded drums. So here we are, we've re-recorded, she mixed, um, and it's being re-released as the mixer sessions is, is what I'm calling it. Um, which uh, that's my attempt at being clever because Mixer is uh, an anagram for remix because that's really what these are. They're remixes. It's a remix project. So I'm yeah. I'm glad that they're getting a fresh take on some of them as well as you know getting to collaborate because you know as, as you as probably felt that Spaghetti Records kind of central to us is that collaboration spirit of collaboration is what makes most of what comes out of here and. Um, and sure. and cool to hear these songs, like you said, revived because they're mm-hmm. great tunes. But breathing a little bit of a new light on a new life is is very rewarding. And you're about to be rewarded. Let's take a listen so we can kind of dig into the details. Here it is from William James, Books and Guns, off of the Mixer Sessions. 
That is that is such a cool and unique track musically, lyrically. I kind of want to dig into it all, uh, kind of unpack it a little bit, if you don't mind. Sure, definitely. Um, musically, a lot of very interesting layers and sort of tidbits. One thing I wanted to start off with is there's this. Uh, we're really testing my lack of <laughs> musical theory, but I don't know if it's called a pedal, but that kind of repeating droning guitar part that kind of keeps coming back to the, the, I think it's acoustic in the very beginning that sort of drives through the whole song. 
Yeah. Um, I think I, if I'm correct about the part you're talking about, kind of that, uh, that chord that kicks it off, that acoustic guitar chord that, that keeps going throughout. Yeah, yeah. I, I like that a lot. It sets the tone for the song in a way and the tempo. Yeah, thanks. I, uh, I can't tell you exactly what chord it is, but I can tell you that it can't be played <laughs> live on one guitar. It's, uh, <laughs> it's built from two tracks, strumming it uh, together to kind of build a, a bigger chord. Um, and yeah, and then just kind of set to a loop, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Yeah. It has what I like. It's, it's, it starts off with that. And then I think, uh, maybe second verse, halfway through the song there. So there's, uh, this very cool legato hammer on pull off, uh, electric guitar riff that also loops and repeats on top of it. They both for me have, uh, give this song this feeling and, uh, forgive me for using this imagery, but it's the first thing that popped to my mind, almost like in the song, you're, uh, <laughs> on a creepy roller coaster ride, like, like Pirates of the Caribbean or something, but just something that's is moving slowly, but, uh, you know, persistently forward, you can't, can't get off of it. Cool. Uh, yeah. Just drive forward. I don't know. And well, I'll take it. <laughs> I, I just like that. It kind of conjured an image or made you think of something in that way. Um, yeah, I think that, uh, I'm really digging back to remember when I was recording it, but kind of the sonic elements of the guitar parts were obviously a huge part of the song. And I remember kind of just with some uh, delay and tremolo and pan and the way the parts are put together, trying to build just uh, a certain feeling, um, I guess, you know. Yeah, I think it does that for sure. Yeah, I was, yeah, I guess maybe a little bit of a psychedelic element maybe um i don't know what you'd want to call it but i i think that they work cohesively toward the same vibe and feeling the different the layered parts um, yeah and there's like a dissonance and a little bit of an uneasy feeling in uh the tonal structure that verse and so that it's a nice trick because when you come to the chorus it's kind of flushes in with this major and you kind of like a, a relief, like the chorus is this breath of fresh air kind of, you know? Yeah, I could see that it kind of comes around to a major chord and then, um, Leia comes in with me singing. That's, that's Leia, the vocalist singing with me. And we've heard from her in the past in spaghetti records and, and we'll hear more from her, I'm sure. But, uh, yeah, kind of, uh, a good chorus hits you, you know, it, um, there should be a, a change from the verse that not just a structural change in the song, but a change in the feel too. So yeah, I think the song has that by way of her, um, voice coming in and, uh, going to a major chord, you get that change. I, w I will, I will say real quick, there's a somewhat, I mentioned him, um, I've mentioned him before to each of you. There's a, relatively noteworthy producer um, by the name of Michael Beinhorn, um, who won a, he's done many, many things, but uh, one of the albums that I know you two might recognize 
uh, from him is uh, Super Unknown by Soundgarden. Uh, he, pr- he produced that album. And one of the things that he talks about a lot, and especially in the context of that album and, and specifically the song Black Hole Sun, uh, is great songs have this idea of tension and release, right? You kind of build up energy and then you let it go. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I was thinking about that a lot when you were talking about the the verses into the chorus here, Ben, where I think yeah. that one thing that I really loved about this song when I first heard it, and then again when Bill sent me the master tracks for it, is that the the verses have this great character to them where – it's you know I wouldn't have said haunted roller coaster, but it, it's got that like uh, you know like the opening hour of The Shining kind of thing where it's not obviously messed up, but it kind of puts you off kilter a little bit, yeah. you know, and mm-hmm. you're just kind of winding up until something happens, and uh, yeah, I think that tension release is really 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 great and done really well in the song. Yeah, Man, it's I really c- powerful. And uh, oh, sorry, just that. Also, kind of, if you weren't already listening intently, it kind of perks you up for the, I think, the, the lyrical kind of core at the, at the chorus there, the, the refrain, which, which is nice. And sure. I think you were about to chime in with something. Uh, I was just going to say that I could, I could sit here and listen to the two of you talk about my song all day because <laughs> it's flattering. I like that. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, bringing up these, these kind of feelings or these ideas. And did uh, you, did you hear what I said? Creepy roller coaster ride. I'm not sure. Uh, it's flattering as, but, but I, I like it. It is in my world. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was curious, um, talking about kind of the, we talked about the guitar and at least some of the guitars, there's a, uh-huh. a few different layers talked about kind of the harmony vocals. And then there's even these little snippets in there that just add some nice um like there's like a little guitar bend and some little little flourishes right right uh-huh. in the transitions that i think are are great i i just i don't know if you could talk about you just kind of go on this and eh, need something here oh i know weird noise yeah <laughs> yeah um Kind of ties in with what I was saying earlier, and it is a little bit hard for me to remember exactly where I was coming from with all of it, but I, I wanted guitar parts that were just, uh, um, the cliche I keep wanting to go to is the word trippy, but just, uh, yeah, basically something that, uh, if you listen to it, especially with headphones on, it would kind of take you on a little, uh, journey, like a bend your mind a little bit, um, one of my favorite bands and favorite guitarists uh, is the Meat Puppets and uh, Kirk Kirkwood, the guitarist. And I can remember um, being about 13 years old, listening on headphones to his guitar parts. And that experience, I think it was like a full summer of me just walking around with headphones listening to their music. And that experience kind of informed my like musicality going forward in a lot of ways. He did a lot of cool stuff with the delay and there were things I would hear in the mix. Um, especially when I wore headphones that just really kind of tripped me out. And, um, I was kind of trying to do that with the guitar parts, uh, with some of the reverb on them. Um, some of the delay, some of the, the pan, a little bit of tremolo. And yeah, it was just kind of a, a feeling, in a vibe I was going for. So every layered part that you hear 
like like the ones you're talking about, whether they're you know a big main part like you mentioned earlier, or just these little um, flourishes added in, were kind of just part of that kind of. Um, I think I actually kind of heard it in my head what I wanted it to sound like. So then I was just trying to recreate that and and make other people hear it in their heads. <laughs> and I think in no short part, this uh, the way this is recreated, and it's I'm ho- I'm thinking it's hopefully what you heard in your head, or if not, I, I just appreciate what it is. All the layers and parts are in the, the production and the mixing of it. And I'm wondering, you know, Melissa, if you can kind of speak to how you put that together and make sure each voice does its part. Sure. I mean, you know, one of the, one of the things that's nice about a track like this is that uh, when I got the tracks from Bill, he did the right thing, right? The thing that everybody wants to be able to do, but that not everybody can, uh, which is to say that um, a lot of getting things to fit together, the best place to do that is in the arrangement. And I think that, you know, one of the things that's really strong about this song is that the arrangement is really good. Um, and so, you know, it's it's not like, you know, if you're mixing a, a big, you know, modern rock heavy guitar song, right? And you're like, how am the hell am I going to make all of these things audible, Right. You know, it doesn't have that problem. You know, everything was was going to be there. So it becomes more about how do I make things tuck under and, you know, come up when they need to. You know, he, he's got, as you mentioned, a lot of these um, uh, I don't want to call them effects tracks, but that's kind of what they mm-hmm. are. You know, I mean, when, you know, when it's a big, uh, you know, guitar bend that's coming down, you know, from from tension and, and you know, that that sort of thing. And it just sort of hits once or uh, there's some really, really great stereo panning on uh, on those fly parts that are that are that are going across. Uh, one of my favorite tracks in this actually is uh, there's a there's a low uh, bong rep. Uh, a very <laughs> prodigiously long and low bong rip. Uh, and uh, things like that are really fun for me, right? Because when I listen to it in headphones or on speakers, but especially in headphones, I do get that meat puppet thing or that kind of like, I don't know, it's music you want to, like, I, I imagine myself in like a beanbag chair, you know, <laughs> aff- affected by something, right? And just kind of like, you know, in, 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 sure. in, enjoying it. And so... Uh, a lot of what I what I did was, you know, really just trying to kind of sweeten the tracks, right, and make everything feel open. Um, but then reverb to kind of fill that space and make it uh, feel like it's kind of a wash, right, around it. Like that. That's the goal for me on a track like this: is to make it feel like you're just kind of in a space. Like the cocoon would be a good word, right? You want to feel like you're just kind of in like your little, I mean, it's head music, right? You want to feel like you're like in your own head and you're just in this like, you know, little, little bubble of space. And so I really enjoy doing things like playing with the phase where you take a, something like that, uh, that bong effect track, which was actually a stereo track that he sent me. Um, and, uh, so what I did is I inverted the phase on one side of it and, uh, one thing that happens when you invert the phase on one side of a stereo track that's coherent is everything in the center drops out, and what you actually get is the the far extremes. And uh, when you listen to that on speakers or good headphones, what actually ends up happening is that your brain starts to perceive it as kind of tickling the back of your head. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's that kind of stuff that, that I found really fun to play with here. I will also say that one of my favorite uh, parts of this track is actually... Uh, the bass sound. Um, mm. I think that the 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 bass guitar 
was tracked really well. And so again, it was just about, you know, finding, okay, well, what do I need to, you know, do plus minus a little bit on here just to get it to kind of open up and feel like it's, you know, moving a little bit, but, uh, man, getting good tracks that fit the song, you know, is such a, such a, a gift. You know, I, I've gotten things in the past where, um, you listen to it and you're like, I don't know what they want this to be. Uh, and I've gotten things in the past where they told me what they wanted it to be. And I got the tracks. It's like, this ain't going to be that. <laughs> uh, and so it's, it's really, it's really nice and, and a pleasure, right? When you get tracks where you're like, okay, they, I can, not only can I tell what it wants to be on its own, but it also wants to be what they're telling me they want it to be. So this is going to be fun because we can just get in and, and, and play. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely, I think is, you know, achieved that. And Bill, like you said, you had this vision in your head and I think probably that's part of having a sort of cohesive idea to start and then just, Mm -hmm. it's been realized so nicely. Uh, musically it's just, just wonderful. And I was just wanted to touch briefly on some of the lyrics, um, or at least uh, if I'm, if I'm allowed to go there, of course, uh, sure. (laughs) Um, or at least kind of the overall theme, but, I know in the chorus, the song is called Books and Guns. And you, you might have to help me out with the exact wording on the, the chorus there, but um, like books yeah. and guns uh, grow heavy when the thrill is gone. Is that? Yeah, that's the lyric. Mm-hmm. So um, I love that line. And I don't know. I'm just shot in the dark. But I'm guessing, is this kind of talking about uh, comparing to a relationship, losing its sheen or... Uh, I don't think that was it. Um, oh, good. I'm, I'm right be, on track. <laughs> <laughs> now, to be uh, completely honest with you, this this is the question, um, the lyrical questions were the ones I was a little afraid of simply for the reason that it's hard for me to remember what the hell I was talking about. Um, <laughs> it's been a long time. Um, but I think I was thinking of them more in terms of being opposites. Um books being, you know, uh, educational and in a way of kind of feeding your mind and one, one means to not an end, but to getting somewhere to another place. And then guns being like the more of the, the law of the jungle sort of a thing and associated with, uh, you know, violence or the opposite of, of, uh, of reason, which I guess you know. Yeah, that's part of what I loved is the juxtaposition of the two things that you wouldn't typically pair together. And then I guess I, this is the beauty of someone listening to art as they make take from it what you know what sure. it means to them yeah. or what their next yeah, step. And I've always said that good songs are are ambiguous, you know, or about more than one thing. It's like the old question that every songwriter hates being asked, which is what is that song about? You know, because it's you can't answer what is this song about? A, a, a song is never really about any one thing or, or usually it's not. Um, so I think that books and guns in this one, I was referring more to just uh, two different paths that a person could take in, in life. And in the lyric is that they get heavy when the thrill is gone. So in other words, like either, either, either way, either path you pick, um, if you don't keep moving, it can, it can get weary or, or tiresome or grow heavy, I guess is kind of, kind of the thought behind that. Kind of interesting. Cause it brings it full circle to the feeling of the song kind of 
moving forward constantly from something bad lurking. Yeah. <laughs> so not <laughs> no, it, maybe not intentional, but I'm going to read that as a as yeah, a grand slam it. there conceptually, <laughs> lyrically, musically. Um, yeah. I think, uh, yeah, that about uh, that's a good spot to end. I think so. I want to thank you both once again for for joining the studio today. Um, Melissa, thanks again for joining us talking about the production of this piece. Yeah, thank you for having me. And William James, always a pleasure. Thanks for uh, taking us in that sonic dive. Definitely, and I'm glad glad that the song made an impression. Uh, So thanks for having me. That's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in to The Weekly Noodle, the official podcast of Spaghetti Records. Tune in every Monday to get behind-the-scenes interviews from Spaghetti Records artists. I'm Ben, and remember, keep it saucy, noodleheads. That's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in to the Weekly Noodle, official spot spotcast. <laughs> That's right. The Speakly Spoodle. <laughs> Exit stage left. The Weekly Noodle is the official podcast of Spaghetti Records. All audio materials herein are hereby property of Spaghetti Records and relevant subsidiary parties. Trademark, copyright, secret recipe. Unauthorized duplication of authorized noodles is uncouth, rude, and generally frowned upon. The Weekly Noodle is made possible through listeners like you.